Welcome to Bible Study. This is Nikrita, and I'm very happy to be with you again. Thank you for tuning in with us, and uh, we're so grateful for your commitment to be with us. And today, we are looking into another interesting subject in regard to stewardship. And um, but before that, I would like to just introduce uh, to you our uh, panel. I've got uh, with me here Lija. Hi, Lija. How are you? Good morning. And Helen, how are you, Helen? Fantastic, thanks, Nick. Good to be here. Very good. And Harvey? Hi, Nick. Great to, to be here. Good to have you with us, Harvey, again. And our facilitator today is Len. And Len, I'm passing straight to you. But welcome to the program, Len. Yes, thank you very much. And hello, listeners. Today we are talking about the habits of a Christian, or if you like to put it another way, the habits of a good steward. I was looking up on the internet to get some wise thoughts about habits and something that really struck me was this. The author said, we spend the early part of our lives learning habits and then in the latter part of our lives, our habits control us. And that probably uh, gives meaning to the old saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Now, Helen, do you have anything to say about habits? Uh, yeah, actually I was like you, Len. I started to look into it. What actually is a habit? Um, one statement said, an ingrained decision. In other words, you don't even have to think about it, you just do it. A habit can be good or bad, depending what it is that you do. And I've also heard the statement that it requires a minimum of about 21 days for an old mental image to dissolve and a new one to gel. But however, there is more recent research on that and it suggests that it takes about 66 days or more than two months for a new behaviour to become automatic. So if you believe in the old one of 21 days, please don't stop there because you need a little bit longer. But most definitions of the word habit relate to regularly repeated patterns of actions and behaviour, like what you have just mentioned, you know, as we get older it does, you know, it becomes automatic. Negatively framed though, we sometimes do call these actions addictions. It can be a habit because it's formed over time and we need to think about that. And habits actually, I believe, reveal the purpose and direction in our life. I'd like to read you a verse from the book of Proverbs, chapter 22, and verse 6, and it says this, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, although this is put in terms of a child and somebody being old, it's exactly on the button with regard to habits, that as children are trained in a certain way and their habits develop later on, that's how they will be. I once attended some um, motivational talks and the motivational speaker was a chap by the name of Leo Schraven and he showed us a picture of some of the nerve pathways taken by an electron microscope and the thing that really was interesting, that the pathway of a habit, the nerve gets quite thick and that the message travels through that nerve extremely quickly so that you don't need to think about anything. You just do it. As Christians, we should develop good habits. And I'd like to read to you now from the book of Psalms, chapter 119, and verse 11, which says this, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Which simply means, here is a, a habit by the uh, psalmist, who in this case was David, and one of his habits was to absorb the word of God, and he also gives the reason why he didn't want to sin against God. So I've got a question for you, panel. Why is it important to develop good habits? Because a habit is an ingrained decision. In other words, you don't even have to think about it and you just do it. Okay. Any other comment? Yes, because the, if it's a habit, then it's perfectly normal to do it. So that's the sort of thing you want it to be normal if you can. Okay. Good habits 
and bad habits affect our whole life. Okay. And it is better if we actually develop the good habits. Yes. And the rewards are certainly a lot greater. Yes, and because there is a good outcome. Yes. You uh, develop the habit of not driving over the speed limit, although that's a bit hard to avoid sometimes, isn't it? then uh, it just becomes an automatic thing. This is how fast I drive. I don't drive any faster because it's a speed limit, and so on and so on. Well, today we are going to consider five habits of a faithful Christian. And the first one is this. Seek God first. Or, if you like to put it this way, put God first in your life. Now, Harvey, would you be able to read to us from the book of Matthew, chapter 22 and verses 36 and 37? Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Okay. What would you say... This is saying in regard to what we are dealing with today about habits of a Christian. We should always put God first. Uh-huh. Put God first. All right. Uh, Lydia, would you be able to read to us, please, from Acts chapter 17, verse 28? See what that says. For in him we live and move and have our beings. So how does that relate to this subject of habits today? If you put God first, it is going to be automatic, isn't it? That in him yes. we live and move and have our being. Yes. Well, this I is think a guiding principle in our life. Yes, they're good answers. I'd like to suggest that when we recognise that God provides everything that we are and have, like it says in the text, we live and move and have our being, then we will automatically give him the glory because he's given us whatever we have. Given us an intellect, given us a voice, given us whatever. Helen, would you like to read to us from the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verses 23 and 24b? I'd be very happy to read this because I actually, um, there's a story I can tell, a very short story regarding this text, which meant a lot to me. Let me read the text first. It says, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, for you serve the Lord Christ. I was working years ago in adult education, and sadly at the time the morale was very low in our work situation. A few things had happened. And I used to go around humming and, you know, joyful in the Lord. And I had um, a couple of the gentlemen said to me, boy, you must um, must really have a good life, considering, because they had picked up what was happening in the premises. And I said, why do you say that? And they said, well, you're always happy, you know, even though things are falling apart around you. And I said, well, I actually don't work for this place. It is true they pay my bills, but I work for the Lord. And that makes a total difference to my outlook when I come to work. It's not boring. It's not drudgery. It's not, I have to be here. I delighted in the Lord. And, and that actually is very true. Do it as unto the Lord, not as unto men. And you've uh, kind of answered a, a question that I was going to ask, but I'll ask it anyhow. <laughs> what reason is there that we should do our best as Christians? We ourselves are, are owned by the Lord. We're God's people, and so we should actually do things as to him personally. And okay. if we do that, we don't ever have a problem with what we have to do. We know what we have to do because God has given us so much advice on it. Yes, it's just like we are doing it for or to the Lord. Yes. It's also, if we look at the other side, we, we study the Bible today and we debate on a particular topic but there are people in this world which don't know anything about God and they um, try to govern their life in um, accordance with their best understanding and that's one thing which I would like to point out that um, if you really like to have a meaningful life and uh, this is a um, Christian broadcast you know and we encourage people to seek God 
to find answers to God because sometimes in this world, even though we, we can experience a good life, but we may not reach the ultimate goal, which is to have eternal life with God. And I thought, whatever we're saying, you know, today in the, about habits or things like that, if we don't have a relationship with God, to know God first and to spend time with God, then probably life wouldn't be fulfilled, to say mm. so, or complete. I'd just like to add to that. I agree with what you're saying, Nick. I'd just like to add, because another reason for us to do our best is that we are witnesses. Sometimes, I mean, uh, you've alluded to the fact, um, Nick, that not everybody's a Christian, and we know that, but there was a, a poem written long, long ago to the effect that we may be the only Bible that anyone will ever read. And I think that's another very good reason to do our best to serve God, love him with all your heart, but then it extends out to other people as well. My wife was telling me her story. She met a lady who um, worked in a particular business and on the weekends, or on uh, particularly in this case, she worked on a Sunday and there was another man who worked there on Sunday who was supposedly a Christian. And this lady said he was the laziest person you could ever find. So what sort of implication does it have when, as Christians, we are lazy or sloppy or that sort of thing? How do people regard Christians who are like that? Hypocrites come to my mind <laughs> in, that, in that line. Um, I think it comes back to the old statement that we need to walk the walk as well as talk the talk. Yeah. To yeah. be honest Christians. All right. Well, now there's another aspect, and Nick's going to point at that out. <laughs> yeah, no, just there's something else to say. Just on uh, just on that uh, aspect of laziness in a Christian life, if you believe something with all your heart, you put there your efforts, energy, and everything what you have to accomplish something in which you believe. And if you don't spend for in this case, for example, if you start the day and you don't even think about God, you know, to have a relationship with God, prayer or some sort of communication with God, you just go through the day. I'm not sure if you can count yourself as a faithful uh, Christian because you need to get connected to the source first to be able to carry on with whatever you, you believe in. There's a passage in Scripture, and I'm not going to quote from it because I haven't got it, but it it says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. You know, put your full effort into something you're trying to do. And obviously it's indicating that it's something worthwhile. So does that mean, then, that that statement, lazy Christian, is an oxymoron? It certainly is. Mm. But I was going to ask you, as Christians, and this is uh, stemming from what Nick was saying, as Christians, can we be casual or lazy in a spiritual sense? Yes, we can be lazy in a spiritual. I mean, we shouldn't be lazy as Christians in a spiritual sense because if we have a strong relationship with God, with Lord, we cannot be lazy because Jesus, God, teaches us totally different, not to be lazy in any other way. So how would that show up in a person if they were spiritually lazy? What would happen or what would not happen? Any ideas? Probably wouldn't spend a lot of time studying the Word or praying or communing with their God. Lena, it's a little bit like our physical bodies, isn't it? If we decide that we're not going to look after our bodies, you know, in, in exercise and eating and drinking the right things, eventually it takes its toll on our bodies and um, we could even die. And it's the same if we become lazy, you know, in that sense spiritually, that or maybe we got too busy and too many distractions and we're not spending that time with God. So what's going to eventually happen? The habit will become a bad habit then and eventually if you're not taking in that spiritual food you're going to starve. Yep, exactly right. The habit will be not to study the Word of God, not to pray, not to practice your Christianity and that would be a bad habit. Disaster. A good friend of mine had this saying which I thought was lovely and he said it many times in my presence. He said, God first, God last, and God best in everything. So in 
what we've just been talking about, the habit that as Christians that we need to develop is to seek God first and put God first. God first, God last, and God best in everything. Now, there's another habit that we should be looking to develop in our lives. Helen, would you like to read from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, and verses 36 to 46? I'd be delighted to, Len. It is fairly long, I appreciate that, but it is a parable, and I think it's worth listening to. It says, And ye yourself, like unto men that wait for their Lord, when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he comes, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and come forth and serve them. And if she shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them, blessed are those servants. But this know that if the good man of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man comes at an hour when you think not. Then Peter said unto him, Lord, speakest thou this parable unto us, or even to all? And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward, whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household, to give them their portion of meat in due season? Blessed is that servant, whom his Lord, when he comes, shall find so doing. Of a truth I say unto you, that he will make him ruler over all that he hath. But And if that servant say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to beat the men servants and maidens, to eat and drink and to be drunken, the Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looks not for him, and at an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him asunder, and will appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. So, without commenting on that text, I want to ask you a question and um, then I'll accept your comments. The question is, when should Christians, or when should people, if they're not Christians, when should they get ready for the return of Jesus? We should be ready any time, any minute, any second. Yes. Always prepared. Agreed. We don't know what the future is going to bring. In fact, we don't know that we're going to have a future. Our next breath may be our last. And so we should always be ready for the return of Jesus. And it's interesting enough that uh, when we are waiting for something or for somebody, uh, one thing which we at least know that is the, the fact that we have some sort of understanding about the person or the event uh, which is going to come. I mean, if you don't know about God, about, don't know about Jesus, you don't know even about uh, his second coming. But from a Christian point of view, that question is so relevant because uh, as Christians, sometimes we can be caught into our daily routine and not being focused on the most important thing, you know, the second coming of Jesus. And we need to live every minute, every day in reflection of that great event. I agree with you, um, Nick. I think that's very, very important. Um, there's a text in Scripture that says, Now is the day of salvation. Now is the time. I came around, across a, a small paragraph that said, The story is told of three apprentice devils who were preparing to graduate. Each one presented their theses on how they would destroy humanity. The first candidate said that he would tell the people that there was no God. The second's idea was to tell them there was no hell. But the third one, Theses, won the day because he stated he would tell the people that there was no need to make hasty decisions. They had all the time in the world. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay, now Harvey pointed out something which is very much worthy of our thoughts. He said that we may not live to see tomorrow, which points out the urgency and the need for continual readiness. Now, I want to tell you a little story. We have a walnut tree, and the walnuts are big and fat at the moment, and soon the cases will split open and they'll start falling. But I don't know if you've noticed, but we have a lot of these white corella birds, those parrots, bit like a sulphur crested without the, the crest. And they absolutely love walnuts. So what has my wife and I, ha what do my wife and I have at the moment as a special task? Keep our eye on the walnut tree and listen out 
because these birds talk to each other. And if we get lazy, we think, oh, well, forget it, sooner watch this program on TV or mm. read a book or whatever it is, and the birds come, we're not going to get any walnuts. So we have to be vigilant, watching out that these birds don't come and steal our walnuts. And uh, the uh, message is for people, we need to be vigilant all the time because we don't know when Jesus is going to come. Now I'd ask you another question. In practical terms, what should we do or what should we be doing to be ready for Jesus' return? Use time wisely. Use time wisely, that's a good answer. It should be, I'm hoping to get more answers here. I think there's a situation where we should recognize the time that we're in and the way we do that we can look at prophecy and see how the signs of Jesus return which he himself gave we could tick the boxes off and we can find that if we really look at it carefully nearly all the boxes are already ticked which is wonderful which of course means to know that you need to study the word absolutely and and come back to your first opening um, text that you you use today um, Lynn we need to seek first the kingdom of God how do we do that by studying his word by submitting to him surrendering fully by praying by communicating with him and sharing it with others the Apostle Paul spoke about this and he put it in these terms he said I die daily in other words, he put aside his own self-interests and indulgences or whatever it may have been. Put that aside because he wanted to be ready for the coming of Jesus and he made a daily commitment to serve the Lord and to be ready for Jesus to come. So we've been talking about, are you going to add something to this before I summarise this bit? <laughs> I was just thinking about the, what, you, what you just said and... Uh, Again, being very honest with ourselves, how can we do that in the day we live? Because yeah, we are so caught in everything possible in this life, you know, to, to do, which means to die daily, as Apostle Paul mentioned. How can a Christian uh, put in practice that thing? I mean, of course, looking at Paul's example, at least, we can learn from that. But I believe that we are too self-oriented. We are living in a very individualistic society. We are just caring about the things for now and for today, for what we see. But if we consider the promise which God gave us in regard to eternal life, and I will just want to mention maybe one example, Abraham. I mean, Abraham, he was a very rich man. He had everything what he wants, but he has his eyes uh, directed to only one thing, to see Jesus, to be with Jesus and his life. And that's why he was called, that he's called the father of all uh, believers. He was okay. totally focused, wasn't he? Mm. Well, we've been talking about seeking God first and putting God first. We've talked about another good habit, which is to look for the return of Jesus. And now we're going to be talking about a third one, is about the wise use of time. But I want to ask you what's uh, really on the opposite scale. What is unwise use of time? Could you tell me how you would see unwise use of time? Any time that we spend which has no positive outcome as far as our relation to the Lord Jesus is concerned because we need to be able to get closer and closer in our relationship to Jesus as the Lord's return nears. Yes. Ledger, what did you want to say? Yes, I wanted to say, so an unwise use of time is not prioritizing in the right way. So the time is God's time. If we are not focusing on what is important, according to the Bible, as we are Christians and apply the Bible in our lives, it's not prioritizing. So we have to prioritize in order of the best priorities on the top. All right, that's a good 
Good thought. Helen, did you have something to add there? I was just listening to what Lydia was saying. I think that is so important. Um, yes, we need to prioritise. We need to focus on what we can do the best. Time is a gift. It is a gift from God. And we need to acknowledge it that moment by moment we are actually his. And only by asking him for wisdom for us to use that time correctly will we. Because there are lots and lots of distractions, you know, computers, video games, uh, movies, whatever. Not necessarily wrong in themselves, Len, but if you are taking time over, you know, hour upon hour upon hour, that's probably not the best use of time. You neglect your family, your friends, and, of course, God. Okay. Um, Lydia, and then Nick. We are advised in the scripture to use the time wisely because our time belongs to God and every moment is his so we are under the most solemn obligation to improve it to his glory so we have no time to waste no time to devote to selfish pleasures uh, no time for the indulgence in sin or of sin time is irreversible so if we wasted a minute or a second or we just cannot reverse the time coming back to the question uh, how can we be unwise in regard uh, of using the time and there were quite a few things pointed out here I, I believe that the core issue is when we are focused on ourselves that's when we can use the time unwisely but if we focus on others and its needs and that's exactly what God said actually in the Bible that if we love others then we know God and in loving others how to say is it's not egocentric but it's altruistic way of relating to this issue which we just uh, talk about and Harvey Yes, I think if we refer back to what was said earlier in this um, study, I think it's really important. If we put God first, God last, and God best in everything, we will avoid the unwise use of time. Okay, like, um, say, watching trashy programs on television? and We would avoid it. And uh, sort of um, spending too long in the shower? or whatever you know it almost sounds like the Christian life is very stringent and probably Christians from previous times were very stringent they didn't do anything where to sort of relax they would always be on guard and before we read some of these texts is it all right for a Christian to have time off or rest, to to back off from the the duties of doing what's good and right and proper? Nick and then Harvey and then Helen. I was expecting that question, Len, actually. And um, because we talked about being wise and prioritizing things. Now, just to mention one thing, we live in a time of entertainment. We live in a time when everything is brought to our fingertip. When you mention about in the olden days, in olden times, of course people enjoyed and I remember when I was a kid, which is not that long ago, a day seems like a week or more. You know, I was in the field there with cattle or other things, you know, and I tried to find time to for my enjoyment too. But there were not so much temptation in uh, running after those things which are presented to us in a so glamorous picture like today. And that's why probably we have a very big responsibility in the time we live, how to choose in relation to time. Oh. Harvey or Helen, okay. next, I'm not sure. Anyway, I think that if we understand that Jesus himself said, come ye apart and rest a while. So he says to us that we should in fact not overdo anything but we should, in fact, include rest in our program. Yeah, I'm on the same line there in, in answer to your question, Len. Did not the Lord say, be still and know that I am God? Mm. He, also, Psalm 23, 
is a wonderful Sam, you know, that we he shows us the green pastures. He restores my soul. I believe, yes, you need to sometimes come apart before you come apart. And that is also then you're refocusing your motives of your heart will be in tune with his uh, and you will go forth, you know, with the strength that you need. If we keep going and running 24 hours a day, even even doing good things, Lynn, I don't believe that's what God asks us to do. Him first also means that we need to be still and know that he is God. We are created by God to have time of recreation, of relaxation. So this it means God created the world for us to recreate in, in it. So when we need time to relax, to relax our minds, our souls, we need to have a relaxation into the nature to recreate our body and minds together, to bring it together in God's creation. Well, the example of Jesus was that he took time away from his duties, his ministry, healing, teaching, preaching, and so on, and took time off because you can wear yourself out, uh, just like you were saying. Harvey, you get the last word, and then I think we're going to have a break. Okay. Um, Lydia mentioned the word of recreation. I think too often today we emphasise recreation, whereas recreation is something quite different, even though it spells the same and is much the same word. Recreation is getting back to what the Lord wanted us to be in the original. And just, uh, Len, because you mentioned uh, the break, I mean, I have the last word to press the button, you know. <laughs> but uh, it just, I just want to, uh, to say uh, in, in regard to that, recreation and you pointed out Jesus example now doesn't mean that to to relax to have a good time with yourself uh, doesn't mean that you need to be entertained because unfortunately that's the difference today when we are entertained actually in in a way we are even m more stressed up if you like I've been in a show business for example and I thought I was relaxed I did what I liked but it's not the case, you know, and that's very good point, which Eulenio just brought up about Jesus' example. And when, when he took time aside, he took time to be with his father, to, talk, to be in nature, you know, early in the morning, when was everything like fresh and so on. Yeah, there are lots of things which we can learn from that example. But now it's time to take a short break. Please stay with us. Don't go anywhere. This is uh, an exciting topic today about habits. And uh, we'll play a song and we'll be back uh, after.
Welcome back to our Bible study group time. Just if I could put a little promo in here. Um, if you'd like to join a group Bible study rather than just sitting and listening on the radio, then every Saturday morning at Adventist churches all over the country, you can join in with them and they have one, usually starting around about 9.30 on a Saturday morning, although it'll be worthwhile to check out the times because some churches do have different times. Here in Adelaide, there are a number of churches where you could attend, but if I could just point out three of them. Down in the south of Adelaide, there's a, ch- a larger church called Morfitt Vale on Pimpala Road, and they start at 9.30 in the morning. In the city, in the CBD on Angus Street, there is Adelaide City Church, and they also start at 9.30 in the morning. And perhaps towards the north, in Paravista, they start at 10, but their Bible discussion starts around about half past 11. And you'd be welcome to join and sort of put some faces to the discussion. Very glad to see you as you come along. We've been talking about the habits of a Christian. We've been talking about putting God first, and we've been talking about looking for the return of Jesus, and now we're talking about the wise use of time. But the Bible has something to say about how we should use our time. Harvey, could you read us please from James 4? 14. Sure. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapour that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Okay. Well, that's basically saying that we don't have a lot of time and um, it's good to make good use of it. Now, Helen, could you read to us from Psalms 90 verse 10? Yeah, um, Psalm 90.10 The days of our years are threescore years and ten And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years Yet is their strength labour and sorrow For it is soon cut off and we fly away Well, I guess uh, many people have lamented the fact that life is so short And they wish it could be a little bit longer But also from the book of Ecclesiastes Chapter 9 and Verse 10 is some good advice about how we should use our time. Could you read that for us, please, Lydia? Yes, it says, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might, 
For in the grave where you are going, there is neither working, nor planning, nor knowledge, nor wisdom. Actually, this is a, one of the mottos in my life. Whatever you do, do with your might. Mm. Do it to the best of your ability. Yes. And all to God. Yeah. Yes. Now, we've been talking about lazy people. We've been talking about good use of time. But how does this habit of good use of time apply to a person who's always busy, who spends most their day working or whatever and doesn't get time enough for sleep and rest and relaxation how does that apply to them is that a good thing that they you know they really work their guts out so to speak and uh, suffer as a result is this advice given to do it with our might I am an alcoholic. <laughs> this is this is what I can define myself. But I always prioritize things in my life. I always put God first in everything. So in whatever I do, I always have a connection with God and I'm saying into my mind, talking to God that, Lord, I'm doing this for you, for your glory and honor in everything. Okay. Yeah. I think we were talking about Jesus before and the fact that he took time off. We need time to regenerate and sleep is for that and also we need just to, if you like, get out of our sphere of action just for a while in order to, well, I use the word regenerate. Any other comments? Otherwise, we'll go on with the next one. Just uh, on this um, subtopic, to say so, uh, time is the only thing, as yeah, uh, as we know, that cannot be reversed. You know, uh, we may lose even our health, and through a very good uh, and uh, uh, intentional uh, process, you may regain some of that health, or even maybe, yeah, you you can heal. Money, for example, you, you can lose money or so many other things. But time, every moment which you lost it, is lost forever. Yeah. Now, even though I would like to just point out one thing in regard to this, because it's an amazing text which I find in the Bible about time. That's in uh, Ephesians chapter 5 and uh, verses 15 to 16. I will just concentrate on verse 16 at this time but if our listeners would like to just pick up from verse 15 to see the context but verse 16 says this redeeming the time because the days are evil and I was thinking how can you redeem the time we are talking about that the time is gone once you consume it but to redeem the time and I would like probably if you have any thoughts about uh, this to just open it up a little bit. How can we redeem the time? Well, redeem means to buy back, doesn't it? Or to get back. And how do you get your time back? Well, once it's gone, it's gone. But maybe it means changing our habits rather than trying to snatch time back, which is impossible, to change our habits and uh, use our time wisely. Yeah? That I was just about to say, if we are using our time wisely, it means we are redeeming the time. It means we're not losing time. I was going to say much the same thing, actually, that if you prioritise correctly, we are, in fact, redeeming the time. If we've made a mistake and used our time unwisely, then it just means that what we do in the future, we should be even more careful to use the time wisely. Make a correction. Helen, I think you've got a quote that you would like to read to us. I, I'd just like to add to that, redeem the time. I actually wrote next to that uh, text, make every minute count. Mm. Mm -hmm. And to me, that is virtually, you know, we're going to redeem time, make every minute count. But let me read this quote. It says, our time belongs to God. Every moment is his, and we are under the most solemn obligation to improve it to his glory. Of no talent he has given will he require a more strict account than of our time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and, and redemption, if you look at what God did to us, you know, for our messed up life and time, you know, he came to redeem us from where we were fallen. 
in a, from a Christian point of view again to redeem time which you cannot turn time back that's for sure but you can start to live as you should have lived from the beginning yeah. you can start to live now you can make a decision now and that's similar uh, or uh, you know equal to the thing that you're redeeming at the time so what you're saying Nick is that we um we really can't dwell on that past because we can't change it, but we can learn lessons from it. Exactly. And some of the the um, obstacles in keeping time correctly, we can look at and say, well, that might have been a bad habit. How can I change that to a good habit and then live accordingly from now on? Yeah. Mm. Okay, well, we've discussed three habits and there are two to go. And the next one is um, a really good habit, well, they're all good habits, about keeping healthy, about taking care of our mind and our body and our, well, all of us. Now, question. When Jesus walked the earth roughly 2,000 years ago, what were his main activities? Please, can you sum it up in one word? Restoration. Yes. He was restoring people, yeah. making them well. He was restoring them emotionally, spiritually, was making people right. And so to take care of our minds and bodies and what we are is the same as what Jesus did with people who were sick. And, and just on that one, uh, Jesus not only restored, he was teaching people how to benefit of uh, exactly the things which we we pointed out a bit earlier because uh, even today as christians we may be very charismatic in some ways you know of just saying you know what i will just believe in god i will uh, leave it to god and i'm a very sincere believer and god will do everything to me and i don't need to do much myself Actually, God gave us that opportunity. It's a gift from God, you know, the gift of choice, for example, to take a decision right now and to make a difference in our life. Yeah. Can what? I just add in here, you, you mentioned, you know, Jesus, what was he doing? Restoring um, physically, mentally, emotionally, the whole lot, which actually is important because there was a time where people would look at the body and they would think the body was separate to the mind, to the soul, and yet Jesus actually encompassed the whole being. Mm. And I believe that's what we should be doing. We should be looking after our mind our souls and our bodies because they all play a part if you're not eating properly or exercising or drinking water you you get brain fog you know your, your mind isn't going to work properly yeah. and likewise if you're sitting at a computer all day or studying all day and not taking moments out to exercise it is going to have an effect on you on your body and likewise the spiritual side so I think that's something we need to look at we're talking holistically here yes the whole Body. Yes, what you were talking oh, about, Helen, there was uh, Greek philosophy which has been incorporated in even some religions that body and mind are separate, mm. but the um, what the Bible teaches is that's not so. The body and the mind, the intellect is all one. So what... You know, a, lat a Latin word that says mensana and corporesana, which in English means a healthy mind in a healthy body does all together works all together you know for the for the good of the whole being you know yeah mm. so what's god's ideal for mankind that we should be holy happy and healthy exactly holy happy and healthy and just like adam and eve were when they were created in the beginning they were holy they were happy and they were healthy a lot of people, uh, as Nick was pointing out, they think that being healthy is not important, so they carry on doing things that are not good for them. But uh, God's ideal is that we be holy, happy and healthy. Remember that, listeners. Holy, happy and healthy. If Lynn, you're not I'm healthy, mm -hmm. you probably won't be very happy. If you're not happy, well, it can affect your health. Mm. And... It's all integrated together. 
Paul, I think, brought this out. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think that sums up just exactly what you're saying. And to practice, make a habit of being healthy, of being holy and um, happy, well, that really comes as a product of the rest, is a very good thing. Harvey, would you like to read for us, please, from 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31? Sure. Whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Hmm. And uh, on the other side, what are some things, some habits that people do that cause them to deteriorate or degrade? Just can you think of a few off the cuff? Smoking. Smoking, yes. Another one. Drinking. Drinking. As long as it's drinking alcohol, not Mm. drinking water. (laughs) Yes. That's great. I come back again to the entertainment industry. Um, and I like entertainment as much as anybody else but I think there's a very good text that we can follow in, in Philippians 4.8 it gives us good counsel it says what finally brethren whatsoever things are true whatsoever things are honest whatsoever things are just whatsoever things are pure whatsoever things are lovely whatsoever things are of good report if there be any virtue if there be any praise think on these mm. things Yeah. I think that's an antidote yeah. for bad habits sorry Lydia thank you Yeah, I wanted to mention also neglecting yourself in any way, eating unhealthy, not drinking enough water, not taking uh, rest, uh, proper rest, enough sleep, not uh, benefit of the sunshine, uh, and so on, many, many other things. Yes, you're right. Uh, The ten steps to good health. We need to follow those, and um, uh, that's from the acronym... N-E-W-S-T-A-R-T, New Start. And that's, uh, we have a bit of a health educator here. <laughs> and uh, probably, Helen, you may even uh, mention about those, uh, I think there are eight, uh, mm-hmm. eight steps to good health. And not only to good health, but to a lifestyle. Yes, yes. There is, um, of course, the New Start acronym. You've got your nutrition, you've got your exercise, you've got water. You've got sunlight, all important. We've got temperance, and abstinence, of course, comes in there with certain things as well. And we're up to A, which is fresh air. We need rest, and we also need to have trust, trust in in God. You've got it. Got it there. And if (laughs) everybody practiced that, they would probably enjoy their lives a lot better. And it's, I mean, it's very hard to be really sick and, and to be a, a Christian to glorify God but when you're healthy and your mind is clear and so on it's it's good all right well we've got to hurry on I'm getting the signals we can't do any of these though lean without self-discipline can we correct oh no which is yeah. our next point Oh, well there you go <laughs> <laughs> the fifth habit mm-hmm. self-discipline Helen would you like to read first Corinthians 9 verses 25 through to 27 yes sure and this is paul talking about self-discipline he says and every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown but we an incorruptible i therefore so run not as uncertainly so fight i not as one that beateth the air but i keep under my body and bring it unto subjection lest that by any means when i have preached to others I myself should be a castaway. Yes, well, it's important to have self-discipline. My brother was overweight, and he wanted to lose weight. And so what did he have to do? Well, he embarked on an exercise program. He reduced his uh, food consumption. Now, if he gave up for, say, a couple of weeks, what would happen? He will come back to the starting point. Which is exactly what did happen several times. But he's doing his best. He has to fight the the, uh, overweight business. Okay, we're getting close to the end, folks. Um, Just now in practical terms, because I believe that these programs need to be practical, not just theoretical Mm -hmm. or spiritual. In practical terms, how or where would a person need to exercise self-discipline? 
Well, I think you've mentioned one of them, Len, already, and that is in what they eat. But you've also got the situation where when you go into a shopping centre, buy the things you need, not the things you want. And if you're disciplined in your buying, then you'll probably be disciplined in your eating. Yes. This morning I was listening to uh, a footballer who's going to be playing his first game for the Crows and uh, he phoned his mother and this this conversation was uh, rec was played on air it was quite interesting the thing that stuck in my brain was this when he told his mum that he was going to be playing the first game of football for the crows she kept saying oh my god oh my god now do we have to exercise self-discipline in speaking that includes not swearing means using good language what about if you've got a bit of a temper problem do you have to exercise self-discipline there Lynn, you said it needs to be a practical program let me just mention about the one temper um, I was speaking to somebody the other day and they said they got so angry with something I said next time you feel that anger coming up take a moment and pause just take a deep breath and think to yourself this is interesting and let the temper die down and you can attack, not attack, you won't be attacking so much. Yeah. But you need to develop that so that your first reaction is not to fly off the handle, but to take a deep breath, pause, say, this is interesting, in your mind, and then deal with the issue. Yeah. Dealing with temptations. You know, losing a temper, it's also a temptation. But if we dedicate ourselves and commit ourselves to God, to the Lord, we have to realize straight away that not to open the door for Satan to take us into te temptation, into the bad temper. So we have to reconnect straight away with God and pray in our minds and ask God for power and strength to overcome this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was just, um, yeah, just on the same line, I was going to say that uh, we are not here just by ourselves, you know. We are uh, in the middle of the great controversy in between God and evil and uh, Satan is uh, trying everything what he can to disturb us and to take us away from God and the text in Bible which I would like to point out is saying that resist the devil and he will flee from you and I just mentioned before that text it actually says draw nigh unto God and then it says resist the devil so I think the key there is we need to draw nigh to God we need to come closer to God in our daily walk and then when the temptation comes he will give us the power to he resist the devil he gives us the power he mm. gives us the strength to yeah. overcome now look we've only got about one and a bit minute <laughs> Ledger I believe you've got a quote that you would like to read to us yes how important is self-discipline Self-discipline is one of the most important character traits a steward can have. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Self-discipline can help us to distinguish good from evil, understand situations at hand, and yet calmly and meekly withstand pressures and distractions regarding less of outcome. Self-discipline improves through habitual practice. God has called you to be holy in all you do and to train yourself to be godly. Okay, well now we've reached the end and I just want to summarize before Nick presses the button and switches us off. <laughs> We're talking today about the habits of a Christian, the habits of a Christian steward. Number one was to put God first and to seek God first. Number two was to be practicing, be in the habit of looking for the return of Jesus. Number three was to use our time wisely, use it in a positive manner. Number four is having the habit of staying healthy, taking care of our mind, our body, and our spiritual selves. And number five, with which we've just finished discussing, is to have the habit of self-discipline. Thank you very much for listening today, and God bless. And I would like to thank all of you present here on the panel. Thanks, Len, Harvey, uh, Helen, and Lydia, for making time, using the time 
wisely to be able to share with others. Until next time, don't forget, keep serving God and be a good steward. I'm looking forward to meet you again next time. God bless.